Amen. Aren't you glad you can lean on him? What a mighty God we serve. Thank God so much for every single one of these folks ministering to us. And for God being God. Aren't you glad about that? We're in Haggai. If you go there, we're coming close to the end of this series. Haggai chapter number one and two we'll look at today. With God's help. Our theme for this series, say it with me, please. Yeah. That was terrible. But it's a starting point. One, two, three. That's pretty good. Can we take it up a little bit? One, two, three. All right, three's a charm. Last time. With everything in you, all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, from the soles of your feet to the crown of your head. One, two, three. Consider. Consider. To contemplate, to think. Give us the definition there. To think about, especially in regard to taking some action. This is personal. Consider your ways. Now, you know what we're good at? Consider everybody else's way. I mean, we listen to messages for everything somebody else needs. People come up to me and say, oh, that message was so good. I sure wish what's the name was here. I say, you are what's the name. <laughs> we got to consider, consider your ways. God says, God says, consider your ways. Because guess what? Your way is the only ways you can change. Come on, there's a wife in here. Oh, my husband, if my husband was, there's a husband in here. If my wife, y'all sound like the first marriage. Adam and Eve. Eve, why'd you do it? It's a serpent. Adam, why'd you do it? It's the woman you gave me. Watch it now. The songwriter said, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Consider your ways. There it is in verse number five. You see it? Chapter one, verse five. Now, therefore, thus saith who? Why are you telling me to consider my way? God's saying it. Verse number seven, thus say who? The Lord of hosts. By the way, the Lord of hosts, the host of angels, the Lord over all the hosts. That's what that phrase means in Scripture. The Lord of the host, the host of angels gathered around him. He's the Lord of everything. Consider your ways. Chapter 2, verse number 18, there it is. Consider now from this day upward, for the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Think, 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 think. And think with the intention of doing something. Amen. What are we good at talking, are we? You always used to go to basketball court and you go to play basketball. You always see some guy and he come up, he come up there, he got his flip-flops on and his socks, he got his shoes, he carry, don't even want to mess his shoes, he's carrying them in the box. He got high socks on, he got a wristband, a headband, his own basketball with his name on it, please, and then written below, please don't steal it. You get up there and pick teams. Everybody say, give me, give me, give me baller right there. He looking good. First play come out, you pass the ball. The boy dribble with two hands. He travel, can't hit the side of the backboard. Say, what's wrong with you? You know, we good at looking the part, but we don't know how to walk the part. I guess it's consider your ways. 
Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me, empty me, fill me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your patience and standing. So as we've stepped our way through, throw the outline up there if you would for everyone to see us. We'll rehearse it. Just bam, bam, bam. Consider your ways. God is speaking to the people of Israel. Feel free to keep adding it. The people of Israel who had been redeemed from Babylonian captivity. God got them out of there. And as he got them out of there, he brought them back to Jerusalem. Remember, they started in Israel, but they disobeyed God and ended up in Babylon. Babylon was a 70-year bondage. Everybody say Babylon was bad. Babylon was bad. No temple, no worship of God. Read your Bible in the book of Daniel. These are the recordings of what was happening in Babylon. In Babylon, if they didn't eat the steak and drink the wine, they got in trouble. In Babylon, they didn't bow down. They got thrown into the fiery furnace. In Babylon, Daniel prayed to God instead of praying to the king, and he got thrown into the lion's den. This is all the stuff that happened in Babylon. Horrible, horrible situation. And yet God's people were there because of disobedience, but God delivered them and brought them from Babylon back to Jerusalem. When they got back to Jerusalem, three R's represented Jerusalem. Remnant, ruin, and reproach. There was just a few people there. It wasn't a lot of them. The temple had been ruined, and the reproach simply means they were an embarrassment to God. Now watch this now. When you serve a rich father and you look like a poor pauper, it's an embarrassment. Somebody say amen. How many of you know we serve a rich father? So for God's temple to be broken down when God's people were his children was an embarrassment. So Haggai says, why aren't you building? They started building, and then they stopped They stopped, first of all, because of enemies. And then when the enemies went away, they kept stopping. And so instead of being enemy opposition, it was now apathy. They had no desire to do what was right. And so Haggai is God's prophet sent by God on his behalf to tell the people, y'all got to get back to work. Y'all got to get back to work. Y'all got to get back to work. Why? Because God is not done with you. You're the people of God. The world is watching you. The temple needs to be built because that's the place where God is worshipped. And we need to make sure that where God is being worshipped is taken care of properly. So this is the context of Haggai. Practically for us, you all understand that God has delivered us not from Babylon. God's delivered us from hell. Somebody say amen. He take us, took us out of the world. Now, we're still in the world physically, but we're not of the world. Now, we're in Christ. He's redeemed us. He's saved us. He's washed us. He's regenerated us. He's adopted us. He's justified us. He's glorified us. He's cleansed us. We're in his family. The Holy Ghost lives inside of us. He's written us a book that tells us how to live. And yet many of us, even though God has delivered us, he's delivered us to do something for him. Many of us have bought into this apathetic attitude that says, really, there's no drive in doing anything for God. So Haggai is speaking to us like he was to the Jews, saying, consider your ways. You are the children of God. The work of God is the most important thing to be done. The word of God is what you need to hear. Ladies and gentlemen, let's all agree today. If God saved me, he saved me for something. If he only saved me to go to heaven, I'd have gone the day I got saved. But he saved me and left me here. Say amen if you think God's got something for you to do. So don't just consider your ways. Don't just consider your ways by who you're rooting for this afternoon on the football field. Don't just consider your ways by where you're going to go to dinner after service is over. Don't just consider your ways about what you're going to do this week. Don't just consider your ways about whether or not you're going to wear this outfit tomorrow. Consider your ways in context to the work of God. And when you ponder what you do for God, make sure you insert this into your reasoning. When I decide what I'm going to do for God, make sure I remember what God has done for me. Shouldn't that motivate 
some action. So he says acknowledge the problem. We saw that on our notes. If you you got to acknowledge, it's got to bother you that stuff's broken down. Come on, come on, listen to me. It's got to bother you when you don't have a prayer life. It's got to bother you when you don't read. Listen, it's got to bother you to read your Bible last week. It's got to bother you if your marriage is falling apart. See, 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 listen, all the people in the world can be rooting for you, but if you won't recognize you have a problem, you ain't going to change. You've got to acknowledge that they were walking around with nice houses in the broke-down temple, and it didn't bother them. Acknowledge the problem. Then he said, adjust your priorities. Now that you see there's a problem, adjust your priorities. Change what you're doing, because if it's broken down, you're not doing something right. And in order to do something right, you've got to quit doing some things that are wrong. You've got to adjust your priorities. You've got to make sure that you are in a position to do what God wants you to do. You can't pursue self-centered pursuits. You can't have passion. But you've got to have passion for spiritual perspective. You've got to do what is right. You can't. Listen, here's the problem. He said, ye that are in your sealed houses. You see that there, verse number four. It is time for you, O ye, to dwell, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house life waste. It's a question. Is it time? Here's what he's saying. Is it okay if your house is nice and God's house isn't? Is it okay if things are cool at home but not cool at church? Here's what he's saying. Is it okay if what is for you is fine, but what is for God is not? Look, come on now, Pastor. Is it okay if you're putting all that time into work but no time into the word? Is it okay if you're building up your muscles but not building up your faith? Is it okay if you're strong when it comes to material prosperity but not spiritual mature? Are you listening to me now? Here's what God said. you got to quit putting all your marbles in the wrong basket. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, Matthew 6. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be on. Chapter 6, last verse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. This is what Jesus said to Peter after Peter said, we've left all. What do we get out of it? There is no man that hath left house or brother or wife or family or his life or for, for the gospel's sake that shall not receive an hundredfold blessing. Now in this list, you can't beat God giving. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, breast, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men pull into your Whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save him. Who shall save his life shall lose it. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. I'm just trying to tell you, you give it all to Jesus. You'll get back more than you ever gave. So he says, adjust your parties. And then if you don't, accept the punishment. What's happening in my life? Little productivity. I ain't going nowhere. Lacking progress. I'm not moving forward. Lost prosperity. What I had, I've lost. Laughable presentation. What I give God that's leftovers, he laughs at, blows on, and a ludicrous performance. How dare I offer God what's left and expect him to accept it? It's the first day of the week. What you got for God? What, what, what are we planning to give God? Where's, God? where's God rank on your list? So the number four, here we are, anticipate, activate rather God's participation. Because here's the thing, listen please. They needed to be doing the work of God and doing a better job at it. But here's what they also had to understand. This task is too big for us to do ourselves. Watch this now. We need 
God. Come on now, anybody believe that? Say it with me. We. Say it again. One more time. Now look at the pastor this morning. God don't partner up with just anybody. Now, 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 he don't care whether you got high socks and shoes in a box and a wristband or a headband. But what he can see is what the rest of the people on the court can't see. That's your heart. So, so here's, here's, here's what God is saying to them. You need that temple to get built. But it's going to take some action on your part to get some action on God's part. Isn't scripture replete with that principle? Let's, let's just give one simple explanation of it, example of it. James chapter 4. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Say it with me. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Say it again. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Very simple. God said, I won't move till you move. Shh. Don't tell people. Don't do that. Don't be telling your business. I'm so far from God. Shh. Don't tell people. God don't like being around me. Don't tell people that. Because if God doesn't like being around you, that means you don't like being around God. Because he already said, if you step to me, I'll step to you. Well, he's so far away. Every time you take one step, you're two steps closer because he took a step after you took a step. I don't know why God won't move. He won't move because you won't move. So in, in Haggai, he's telling him, how do you activate God's participation? Here, let's place it up there. Number one, it's going to require your able performance. You've got to do what you can. You've got to do what you can. Look there, if you would, at verse number 14. The Bible says at the end of verse number 14, chapter number one, look at the end of the verse. The Bible says, and they came and did work. <laughs> I feel like we need an interpreter in 2023 for what that means. I'm so sick and tired of walking into an establishment with a bunch of employees that are all walking around. There's 39 people in one shopping line and all of the employees just walking through the store and got the nerve to say hi to you while they walk. Hi, do you need anything? I need you to open a line. Then you go to other places where there's a long line and there's only one employee. You know why? Everybody will tell you. Nobody wants to come to work. Nobody wants to come to work. Laziness has not only become a characteristic, it has become a career field. What do you do for a living? Nothing. And I do pretty good for myself too. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You should try it sometime. I mean, there's a sense of lethargy and a, and, and a sense of a, a nonchalant spirit. Nobody wants to. But here's the problem that has happened. Work has gone down, but expectations have gone up. The laziest people have the largest demands. I was preaching this week and when I was in North Carolina, I was talking to a lady who's a nurse, and we went out to Olive Garden. We were just eating soup and salad with the preacher that afternoon. And I hadn't been to Olive Garden. You know what? Zoop uh, are pretty good when you haven't had it in a while. And uh, so, so I'm eating the soup and salad, and, 
And she was saying, I got my first job here as a server. She said, in the second day of my job, a group of like 20 church people came in a few minutes before closing. <laughs> Just like old raggedy Christians. <laughs> and, and she was saying to me, she said, it's amazing. It's the people who work you the most, who tip you the least. You, you ever get around these high sedated people? Act like they, you know, they, they were born in the palace and don't even know what it looks like. Uh, could you bring me hot water to soak my uh, silverware, please? Uh, could you nuke my bread a little bit longer? I don't like my steak. Well, why did you eat three quarters of it? Can you take something off the meal? Can you take it back out your stomach? <laughs> All right. It's a shame that I've been out to eat. Preachers. I've been out to eat with preachers. I mean, work the, work the, work the waitress to death. And then, and then had bad kids, too. I mean, food all over the place and just stuff all over everywhere. And then my wife said, I'm nosy. It's not nosy. It's observant. <laughs> so he's paying for the bill, and I'm like this. And I see the tip, and I thought, gracious alive, that's what you leave in that person for all this work? And then had the nerve to tell the person, uh, this is the guest speaker. Come hear him preach. Don't introduce me with you. <laughs> I tell the members of Crossroads Baptist Church, you got bad kids in the restaurant, you leave a bad tip, leave your picture on the table, not mine. <laughs> you, know, I told the, you know, I told the pastor, he said, oh, God. I said, thanks for the meal. Y'all go ahead and leave. I'm going to go to the bathroom. He, and they already went out and left. And I sneaked the waitress some extra money. He said, we just want you to know we care about you. You know, you know what I found out? People don't want to work. They don't want to work at anything. Proverbs says, in all labor there is profit. But the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury or poverty. You don't get profit if you don't labor. And talk is cheap. That's what the verse means. In all labor, there's profit. Somebody in the building is saying, no, it's not. I'm working hard and nobody's giving me profit. Let me tell you something. There's a God who sits high and looks low. And when your boss doesn't understand and your parents don't understand and people don't appreciate you and your name doesn't get called from the pulpit, who are you doing it for? Anytime you're knocked off your socks because you don't get recognition, that explains who you were doing it for. Because God already told you he doesn't miss a thing. Sometimes God, maybe God lets us not get recognized publicly to recalibrate our motives. Somebody write that down. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> well, I won't remember it. <laughs> Somebody be out there making money off of it. It was my phrase. We all, that, that goes for preachers too, all of us. Are we preaching for amens or are we preaching for the audience of one? Able performance. Then go back to our outline again. He says, not only is there able performance, but there's adequate power. Look at verse number six. You've sown much, you bring in little. But you're not, but you have not enough. 
You clothe you, but there is none warm. He that earneth wages, earneth it to put it in a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord, verse number 7, consider your ways. Now look at verse number 6 of chapter 2. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, I will shake the nations and the earth and the sea and the dry ground. Look at verse number 7, dry land. And I will shake all nations, the desire of all the nations shall come with me. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord. Let me tell you something, folks. When you get to doing the work of God, you activate the power of the Almighty God. And let me tell you something, there's nothing God can't shake. It's a faith thing. Faith without works is, faith without works is, here's a problem. We're waiting for the power before the performance. We want the product without the process. If God would just, I would. No, no, no. If you would, God would. Well, God, if you shake it, I'll move. No, no. If you move, he'll shake it. If you give me more money, I'll give. No, if you give more money, he'll give. He'll give you more money. If, if you move, I'll pray more. No, if you pray, he'll move more. Listen to me. I'm trying to tell you. Here's what God was saying with Israel. You need power, I got it. But I'm not giving power till you give performance. And I'm asking you, ladies and gentlemen, what are you waiting on God to do while God is waiting on you to do something? Notice thirdly. Not only the able performance, not only the adequate power. Notice the authentic pleasure. The authentic pleasure. Look at verse number 8, chapter 1. Go up to the mountain. Remember, go get wood. Go get wood. Remember, we're trying to build something. We're trying to build something. Go get wood. Go get wood. Go get wood. Go get wood. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, don't ask God to do for you what you can do for yourself. Come on, come on, come on. I hear people say, I, I just don't have anything. You got to do something. Well, God didn't give me any money. He gave you good sense. He gave you health. So he says, go to the mountain. You can get wood. Here's the response that God says. Go to the mountain and get wood and build the house. Look at this. Don't miss this verse number eight. And I will take pleasure in it. Say that phrase with me. I will take pleasure in it. Say it again. I will take pleasure in it. Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you a question. If a dog can be happy that his master is pleased, tell me why a child of God wouldn't be happy when his master is pleased. The pleasure of God, authentic pleasure, to actually have God pleased with your life. We are living in such a attention-driven society, praise-driven society. And people do what they do to be recognized, to be praised, to be noticed, to, to get accolades. But let me tell you something, there's nothing like knowing you please God. He said, I'll tell you what I'm pleased with. I'm pleased when you go get wood and you build. I'm pleased when you put action in motion. I'm pleased when you're actually involved in the work of God. Look here, there are ministries to be involved in. All kinds of things you can be involved in at Crossroads Baptist Church in the work of God. From what you can do at home, reading your Bible and praying and being involved in soul winning and teaching a class and being in the music program or, or working with others or witnessing in the jail like our folks are doing every week or, or working in the bus ministry and going and picking up kids or, or working in the nursery so that parents can hear the word of God uninterrupted. I'm just telling you something. You may go out and 
work 80 hours in one week in the world and make a bunch of money and climb up the ladder in your career. But there's nothing like getting plugged in to the work of God and having the creator of the universe saying, I take pleasure in it. Let me give you one more and I'm finished for today. Not only authentic pleasure, able performance, adequate power. How about this, his active presence? Why don't you look at verse number 13 of chapter 1. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, say the next phrase with me. Wait, 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 wait. Say it again. Pause. And let that marinate in your mind. I am with you. Here's the problem is, we got so used to biblical phrases, we've forgotten what they mean. I am with you. Listen to Jesus as he's, he's got 12 disciples congregated together. They're looking at him. The, the last time they saw him, he was hanging on a cross. He had appeared to them in a room And now he's standing before them before he goes to heaven to be with God where he still is now. And he looks at them and he drops an enormous task on them that seems way bigger than they are because it is. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. In other words, go take this gospel. Tell Everybody that I died, was buried, and rose again. And listen to me, I want every ethnic tongue, every nation, every person, and every place in the whole globe to hear that I died, I was buried, and that I rose again, and that they don't have to go to hell, but by faith and trust in me, they can accept me as my Savior and spend eternity with me. Go tell the whole. He wasn't talking to a mega church. He was talking just to his disciples. How enormous that task must have been, but he didn't just leave them with a task. He ended ended the task with this statement, and lo, I am with you always. And somebody in here is sitting in this room saying, Pastor, you don't know how hard my marriage is. You don't know how hard raising those kids are. You don't know how hard my finances are. You don't know how hard living life, you don't know how hard it is to be a teenager and try to stay pure and not give in to peer pressure. You don't know how hard it is to live in the Washington, D.C. area. You don't know how hard it is to drive on 95. I do. That's why I avoid it. You don't know how, how hard it is to live in this Christian. Listen to me. Let's all say amen. It's hard for all of us. But ladies and gentlemen, don't just drown in the difficulty of your life that you forget what you have on your side. Not the president, not the pope, not a priest, not your favorite hero, not your, not your role model, not Congress, not the boss, not some millionaire. God Almighty, the one who put the stars in space and the moon in place and the sun hanging on nothing that it never falls down. The one who took from the dust of the ground, formed man, breathed in the man's nostrils the breath of life. The one who's omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, ever at the same time, immutable. He can't change, eternal. He was, he is, and he is the Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Nisei, our banner, Jehovah Ra'a, our shepherd, Jehovah Rapha, our healer, Jehovah Shalom, our peace, Jehovah Shama, the Lord who's present, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord who is our righteousness, the one who forgave sin, the one who healed the sinner, gave the sight to the blind, gave hearing to the deaf, gave walking to the lame, gave speech to the mute. That God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. If, 
Lewis, I didn't say, the arching presence of God. I said the active presence of God. I'm with you. Uh, so, so, anybody in here got pet peeves? Anybody got pet peeves? Okay. Can I give you one of mine? Now, let me know if you share it with me. I have a pet peeve. I, 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 I don't do well being around people who like to watch others work. And do nothing. They're everywhere. They're, 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 a, they're a growing breed. Uh, and, and sometimes they don't even realize it. They've been doing it so long. I think my dad said to me recently, he said, I don't realize how somebody could get, get to that point where they, they do something like that. I said, a lot of practice. You do something long enough, you get real good at it, even if, it what you, even if what you're good at is bad. So have you ever been working around somebody that was there? I mean, right there. You walk past them. They moved out your way so you could walk past. They even offered you some advice on how to do it. You missed the spot. Yeah, that spot right upside your head, all right? Now watch this now. They're there, but they're not active. When God said in Haggai, I'm with you, do you realize that God's everywhere? There's nobody's life in this building where God isn't. He's there. Here's the problem. For some, he's there, but not active. He chooses to watch you work and not get involved because the work you're doing doesn't warrant his involvement. But when you start doing his work, he said, no, no, watch this now. Hey, listen, it's a joy to work for God. No, there's more than three and a half of you that should agree with that. It is a joy. I know what you're saying. Pastor, we're saving it for the next thing you're getting ready to say. Jesus might come back before I say it, all right? It is a joy to work for God. Watch this now. It's even a greater joy to work with God. Now I'm asking you. You want to work with him? Paul said, we are laborers together. Maybe, maybe you're just hustling and bustling, killing yourself, coming in church, can't even stay awake. How you doing? Oh, I'm barely here. Nailed this in. High as the heavens of the earth. They, we're going to, the worship going higher and higher, your head going lower and lower and lower. <laughs> I just don't know. I just, feel like I'm, I just feel like I'm working by myself. You are. God can't sign in on mess. He can't put his name on foolishness. But when you start working for God, there's some days where what's ahead of me for the day, I look at it and go, I don't know how this, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And then all of a sudden, 
it gets done and gets done well. And I look back and go, that wasn't me, that was God. Look at God. Now you have to activate his presence. Change what you're doing. Change how you're doing. So that God is not just present, but he's actually a participant. Our Father, we bless you and magnify you. Help us, help us. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Pastor, I'm saved. <clears throat> I'm saved and I know it. I'm going to heaven. If you know that, would you raise your hand? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven and I know it. All over the building. God bless you. God bless you. Put your hand down. Pastor, I want to activate God's participation in my life. I want God actively involved in what I'm doing. Let me give you this thought by way of phrase. Sometimes we are so intent on saying, God, bless what I'm doing. Right? God, please bless what I'm doing. I want to give you a different way to look at it. Instead of saying, God, bless what I'm doing, why don't you start doing what God's blessing? He's blessing his work. That means you got to be in church. You got to be in the word. You got to be faithful. You got to find something to do. And that might mean you got to stop doing some other things that are robbing you of your time to do the best things. Anybody listening? Pastor God spoke to me. I want my life to be lived in a way that activates God's protection. I don't want God to be watching me hustling and bustling and say, I can't get involved in that. I want, I want him involved in what I'm doing. God spoke to me all over the building. Would you put your hand up? Come on. My, my, my. God bless you. God bless you. Right now, would you start praying in your seat? Make your seat an altar, would you? Right there. Right there. Just say, God, help me. Pray together as a family. Pray together as a couple. Pray together as friends. Say, God, God, no wonder you're not, you're not in on what I'm doing. You can't bless that. Clearly, I'm doing stuff that's contrary to what you want me to do, you're not pleased. No wonder I'm not succeeding. My decisions, my choices, my plans. Then lastly, I want to ask you, are you sure if you died today you'd go to heaven? One of you say, Pastor, I'm not 100% sure if I died today I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. I don't know if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I know I don't want to go to hell. Please pray for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you, would you? I won't call you out, embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. Just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it. Let me put it. Yes, God bless you. God bless you to my life. Anyone else? I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. Please pray for me. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Now listen to me. If you put your hand up, I, I won't tell you. We're here to help you. We would love We would love for somebody to take a Bible, listen to me, and show you how you can know you're going to heaven. It's in the Bible. It's not about crossroads. It's not about this pastor. It's about Jesus. Now we'd like to show you if you'd be willing to come. 
I'll get one of our men, one of our ladies, depending on who you are, take a Bible and show you how you can know you're going to heaven. My question to you is, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, are you willing to come? To just leave your seat and let me have somebody show you. Christian, would you pray all over the building, would you? That some would come. If that God has spoken to your heart, just stand up from your seat and come. I'll let somebody take, take a Bible and show you. Don't be embarrassed, would you? I'll meet you halfway. I'm talking about the difference between heaven and hell. The difference is Jesus. Would you? Would you just stand up and come, would you? We'll wait just a moment. Christian, would you pray while some are contemplating it? How about it? You're on the inside of the pew. You just tell somebody, excuse me, I want to go find out how I can know I'm going to heaven. Would you? Just come on, would you? Right where you are, would you? A couple of you raised your hand. Would you come? Anybody like that at all? Don't be embarrassed. We love you here. We just want to take a Bible. Don't we, Christians? Would you come? Anyone would just come. A little embarrassed. Turn to the person beside you. Say, will you walk with me? I don't want to leave here not sure where I'm going. How about it? And when service is over, if you're a little embarrassed, see one of us afterwards. We'd be glad to talk to you. Our leaders would be glad to stay. We'd stay as long as we need to to help you. Christians all over the room, let's do our part. Being faithful to God. He's been so faithful to us. There are many in here who are already saved, who are interested in church membership. I want to encourage you to, if you'd come see me after the service, I will personally or one of our leaders will be glad to talk with you. I'll be glad to contact you this week, and I promise you I will to talk with you about the steps of joining Crossroads Baptist Church if that's where God is working. Please see me. We, we, want, to, we want to work in concert with God's pleasure. Yes, we do. What a good God. Thank you, Lord, for being God. In Jesus' name.